Greg Dwyer is a former award-winning magician. He's worked backstage for Doug Henning's Magic Show and was seen by over 6 million people on The Late Show with David Letterman. His main focus these days is speaking and coaching on the topic of focus. His main topic is the importance of focus, and he is here today to share some secrets on how you can grow your coaching business through speaking. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Mr. Dwyer, so good of you to be here with us. Oh, thank you for the invitation, Doug. And thanks for putting up with my um, working on this new platform. Obviously, the kinks have not been quite worked out perfectly yet, but we will keep working on it. And thank you for being so patient with us as we work on this stuff. This, should, this will be fun. So we've known each other a long time, and you have gone, even while I've known you, through a variety of, of different sort of definitions of who you are. You, um, I didn't know so much about the magician past until I got your introduction to read just now. Um, but tell me a little bit about that. You were a professional magi magician? In high school, I was. Yeah, my uncle showed me a coin trick, and that was it. So he introduced me to misdirection. And from, I would say, fourth grade all the way up to high school, magic was my focus. I loved it. Um, wow. I've always been on stage. And so I was really focused on, you know, stage work, working backstage for different summer stock productions and then doing magic. So, yeah. Neat. And you worked with Doug Henning. Yeah, his show came in Connecticut, uh, where I live, and I got to work backstage. I was an assistant prop ma master, you know, so I dealt with some of the illusions backstage, and we had to sign a contract saying we wouldn't talk anymore about, you know, how things were done. But he was an idol for me, so it was, it yeah. was absolutely wonderful, yeah. So, so tell us how those things were done. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You're not under contract anymore. I know. And and Doug's dead, so he's not going to come after me. There you go. So how'd they <laughs> not, do it? Not you, Doug Henning. Right. Exactly. Another Doug. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Doug, yeah, yeah. yeah. It would have been really weird if I found about it first time from you that I was. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was really fun. I mean, I, you know, I, there was a time where, you know, in high school where we work in theater summer stock and we didn't see the light of day. I mean, it was like 24 hours. We would work on the sets yeah. and then set things up and then the next group would come in and, it was wonderful. I mean, you've been in theater, you've been in music, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I also have, have dabbled with magic as well. But I'm, I am curious, though, because sometimes when I've I've been to these these magic stores in New York City and you see the guy demonstrates the trick, it's like, oh, my God, how does it do it? And when you find out how they do it, it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of wish I didn't know because yeah, that's yeah. it. That's, yeah. Yeah. So then as a magician, it's really kind of like most of the magic is in you convincing the person that this is really cool. <laughs> this is amazing. It, is, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, really what it comes down to is most people are distracted. And, you know, I have an NLP background. I have a hypnosis background, not as much as you do, but you know that people, you know, they delete stuff. They generalize stuff. Right. So once yeah. you once I made the connection, because when I started in magic, I didn't know about NLP. I didn't really know about hypnosis, though I did a little bit of it. But later on, when I started studying with you and Sleight of Mouth in New York City and then started reading all the books about NLP, I started to see the connection that the same way a magician fools you or you're fooled in everyday life is some of the principles of NLP. You know, what are we calling? Yeah. We're calling um, sleight of mouth, right? So there's- Yeah, no, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, that's where that word that, where that came from is from sleight of hand. Robert yes. Jackson named it. Exactly. And, you know, you just can't follow everything. It's impossible. Yeah. But, you know, where I see the connection is in business and in coaching, most people, you know, they're just distracted. They don't get anything done. They don't make the phone calls. They don't follow through because, you know, they just get yeah. off track. So, well, in, in spite of the fact that that was a really excellent segue, um, 
because you are such a true professional. I'm not going to talk yet about your main topic. I was, I, you were on the David Letterman show. I want to know about that. Come on. Yeah. So I was okay, in. I was in okay. So. I was in Ohio and uh, I really miss New York. I, I love New York City. I love Connecticut. And so I see this guy, you know, in the 80s and 90s, Dave Letterman. And he's just a crackpot, crazy kind of guy. And I just related to him. And I said to myself, one day I want to meet this guy. So I'm an ordained clergy for 30 years. And I started watching Dave interact with clergy in the audience. And I don't know if it was, I guess it was like a running gag. So one day I got tickets to the show and it was, I think it was 1995 and I wore my, my collar, you know, I had black on with a white tab and I'm an ordained minister. So it's not a, it's not a costume. And I was sitting in the front row and I knew something was up because the producer started pointing the camera my way during the commercials and just setting things up. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? So during the top 10, David interrupts the top 10 and starts having a conversation with me. And then before you know it, yeah. And, and I'm a ham. I, you know, I'm a ham. Uh, and before you know it, I'm on stage talking to Dave and then he and I walk outside to 53rd and Broadway and I go into Rupert G's uh, restaurant there, his deli. And I'm on the show the whole night and Kelsey Grammer's there, the Foo Fighters there. And I would say in the next 30 days, I must've gotten, um, I don't want to say hundreds, but I got faxes. I got packages in the mail. I, I still <laughs> run into people today that still remember it. And then after the show was over, I was walking, you know, out of the green room onto 53rd and Broadway and people thought I was a plant. They thought I was part of the act. Uh, but, you know, it was my 15 minutes of fame. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you have this on video? Yeah, if you go to my YouTube site, you know, Greg Dwyer, and you can look at, I don't know how many videos I have there, but uh, one of the videos, I think it has the highest um, viewing uh, is towards the bottom, or you can look at it at the top and you can watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's nuts. Well, I, I promise you I will be watching that today. Okay, all right, I'll send you the link. Yeah, yeah. However many views, it will be plus one. Okay, cool. Yeah, and society. all right, all right, all right. So enough fun stuff. Let's get back down to business. So, okay, focus, focus. All right, Greg. I'll try. All right. <laughs> what is this? What is this malarkey about focus anyway? What's the big deal? I think it's everything, and uh, most people, I think, and this is my personal opinion. I think most people are just all over the place. Like when I was on Letterman, six million people saw me on Late Night Tonight. Any late night show, any show, even CNN, the viewing is terrible. It's like, I don't know, 2 million viewers now. People have too many choices. They're all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and what happens is you, I, I think what happens, I can only speak for myself, is because there's too, much, too many choices, we don't get focused on what's really, truly important in our life. And so I see it in business and I see it in personal life. So I have this lecture called The Importance of Focus in a World of Distraction. And it really hits a nerve because people are all over the place. I'm sorry, my phone's ringing. Yeah, we should go to commercial because people's attention, <laughs> and we probably lost them already. We're like, what? <laughs> no, but that's really true. I mean, this this thing, yeah, this oh my device, you know, mine tracks how many minutes I put on, on per week. And it's always saying, are you serious? My phone says that ignore me it's it's amazing how much time we spend doing distracted stuff and sometimes like i used to travel the country doing hypnosis workshops and, and um, weight loss smoking cessation stuff and I, i'd go back to my room after the day it was done you know 12 o'clock at midnight or whatever and i'd say oh, i gotta get some sleep but i turn the tv on mm -hmm. and because there were no channel selections or whatever i, I would just be you know flipping through the channels trying to find something worthwhile to watch, you know, and I often, more often than not, unfortunately, you know, spend like an hour flipping through the channels, trying to find something to watch. I mean, talk about a waste of time. Yep. Yeah. On average, we pick up our phones and we tap it, click it and swipe it 2,600 times a day. And so, yeah, it is a waste of time. And really what is monetized is attention today. They want your eyeballs. They want your attention, social media. Unfortunately, you know, you wake up and you're 60, you know, you wake up and you're 70, you wake, you know, and you wonder what, what have I done in my life? You know? So, um, yeah, it's really? kind of crazy. 
What's that 2000 what? The average person picks up their phone and taps it, swipes it, and clicks it. Why? You weren't listening? 2,600 times a day. It's insane. Trying to wrap my mind around that. It's like, holy Toledo. Yeah, you and I work for ourselves. But if you go to work and you're working with colleagues, the average person will waste 12 and a half hours per week on their cell phone doing things that are not productive to the business because they're just not engaged. They don't care. They don't care about their job. And it's Mm. 12 and a half hours a week. Okay. So, Greg, this is, as you know, um, the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And and on this show, we're looking to find the systems and the secrets that set the best apart. You know, what are the systems and the secrets that make you a great coach? Well, my forte is business, so I'm passionate about that. So the people that come to me want to improve their business. And so I'm not coaching 24-7. I'm speaking. So that's my main focus. And then when I go out and speak, people are attracted to what I'm saying. And they'll say to me, hey, do you do you coach? So what sets me apart is... First of all, I apply what I've learned, you know, over the years of NLP and hypnosis. I've had coaches, um, people have helped me with my blind spots and I apply. And I think a lot of people don't. And I know it's a general statement, but I think a lot of people that are in this profession of coaching Mm -hmm. and helping, they don't see their own blind spots. I mean, Mm -hmm. I see it in other people and then other people pointed out in me. But I think it goes back to that old phrase, physician, heal yourself. So I think the first yeah. place to start, like I'm a student of this. I love this. I loved when I went to Sleight of Mouth with you in New York. I love the classes that you teach. I love NLP. But I do apply it to myself. Like I am really focused on that. Not that I'm perfect. And then so when I meet people, I help them uh, stay focused to what's really important to them. And it's pretty easy because all you have to do is listen and see where their blind spots are. Right, right. And that is one of the amazing things about coaching, the valuable things about being a coach is that a coach can do that. They can see the blind spots in another person. And even who's a great coach needs a coach, I think. Yes, yes. The time, because we that's they're called blind spots for a reason. It's really hard to see your blind spot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's called the unconscious for a reason. It's like it's not conscious. It's out of out of consciousness. So right. it's good to have somebody who can, you know, bounce things off of and give you some pointers. And, you know, even if the, even if the correction is like 1% of a change. Or well, 2%. I, I have to thank you. And I, I mean this sincerely at the beginning of the year, January of this year, 2022, I wrote down in my journal that I wanted to re uh, apply self a slight of mouth. Cause I take, I took the courses, I have the book, I have the CDs. And so one of my goals this year was to really dig in. And then when I heard that you were, you know, redoing the course in a way that was very unique over months and practice sessions, I jumped in and then we've had some coaching one-on-one as well. My my life, and we're halfway through this year, my life has changed dramatically just because totally. of the influence of Sleight of Mouth and the session that we did together as far as understanding uh, my market. I, I really have taken it to the next level. So, yeah, I, I think a coach needs a coach. Yeah. Well, gosh, you know, thank you. And I will also say that I wish every, all my clients were like you because it's it's, as you said, it's rare that people really – truly apply it to themselves. Right. You know, it's one one thing to to say, yeah, that was a great seminar, but it's not another thing to take what you learned from the seminar and apply it and actually, you know, make yourself better from it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also think that that idea of changing even like one or two degrees Mm -hmm. uh, can be a big change down the road. And one of the things you were mentioning is that this course was, we've done it for six months. It's a six month yeah. So it's not just like a weekend seminar or, you know, listen to it. Isn't that great? But right. this is down the road. So you make that change and then you stay with that, you know, one degree or two degree change. Like Tony Robbins used to use this metaphor of a, if a plane takes off from New York City and heads due west. But then when it gets over New Jersey, it changes its heading like by two degrees. Right. And it's not that much of a difference when it's over New Jersey, when it's over Pennsylvania or whatever. But when it gets all the way across to the other coast, one plane lands in San Francisco, the other one lands in Los Angeles. Right. You know, because of that change down the road. So I think that's pertinent to what you've just been saying. I think it comes down to mastery. I think a lot of people dabble 
in coaching, in speaking, mm. in life yeah. in general, you know, and you use the analogy of playing the piano. Right. Somebody came up to you and said, Doug, you're, you're amazing. You know, how, how can I do that? And you said, oh, it's easy. All you have to do is practice eight hours a day or something like that. You know, yeah. I don't think yeah. most people want to hear that. Most people don't want to do that. No. Yeah. If, if, I, if I can tell that story, I know this is your podcast, but. <laughs> well, this is your podcast. <laughs> All right, Ray, it's my podcast. So quiet. I want to talk. Yes. Yes. Um, Let's hear that story. That was a great story. So yeah, it was after my my senior recital. So yeah, I, I have a piano over there in the corner. I don't know if you can see it, it's in the dark. But um, I'm, I was a piano major in college, and after my senior recital, one of my mother's friends who had come to the recital um, came up to me and just said, "Oh my God, that was so beautiful. I oh, I would give anything to play like that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, "Oh well, here's what you do: you get a piano, you get a good teacher." You take lessons every week and you practice every day for, four, you know, between four to five hours a day, um, eight hours as you get closer to your recital time. But, you know, do that for the next eight years and and you'll be fine. You'll play just like that because that's what I did. And that is exactly what I did. I'd only been playing the piano since I was 13. At that time, I was like, you know, 21 when I graduated. So, yeah, that's how you do it. It takes so, practice. So it here's takes... my secret. Are you ready for my secret? I'm ready for your secret. Okay. So... Any given week, I'm yep. talking to 25 to 50 people a week. So 5, 10, 15 people, you know, on a daily basis. So sometimes, like yesterday was 5. Um, the other day it was 10. Sometimes it's 15. So, but it averages about, I would say, 50 people a week. And it's a couple hours a day. And it's phone mm -hmm. calls, it's emails, it's postcards. And in the process of just playing those numbers, I get booked on stages and then I deliver my keynote or my message and then I meet people. Then I build my list. I have an email list that I build. And in the process, organically, people come into my life like the client I'm working with right now. I did a speaking gig about a year ago and our paths crossed and I, you know, brought her through the process because I think you have to have a process. And then uh, finally sat down and said, look, I think I can help you. And so we're in a we're in a 12 week one on one coaching session working on her personal life, but also working on her business life. That's that's all I do. It's it's not rocket science. I right. just think that most people aren't willing to put in the time, Doug. So that's really interesting. So you, you spend time every day talking to people, talking to people, but then you get booked on stage when you do the talk how many talks are you doing like in a in a month or how many talks well, are you doing? i tell you i i'm booked up until january so here it is july um i'm usually doing about four to six speaking events per month like in the month of september i'm in albany syracuse buffalo upstate new york for a full week back to back um wow. october is probably booked right now october is probably booked about six I started booking for January this week. Um, and wow. I'll tell you what switched. What switched was my mindset, you know, because working with you on Slight of Mouth and also having one-on-one -on -one with you, I thought to myself, why not? <laughs> and so, I, you know, I just actually, I have these coins. I don't know if you can see them, but I have these coins. And I just stack them next to my desk. And then I just, I move them from the left side to the right side as I talk to people. And I'm just kind of playing it as a game, if that makes any sense. You know, in NLP, we call it reframing. I have no idea what you're talking about. You, what do you, you're, you're distracting yourself. You're not focused. You're playing with coins while you're talking to people. What are you talking about? I'm realizing that in my mind, this, you know, what stopped me in the past is I think what stops most people. What are people going to think of me or how am I going to get up on stage and talk about my coaching business or whatever? And all of that stuff is the minutia that holds us back. So I've gamified the whole thing and I've kind of really looked back at this and realized the whole thing's a game. Like, what does it really matter? And it, it's kind of made it very fun for me. So I have a stack of these dollars. They're silver dollars. And okay. I have them on the left side of my computer next to my phone. And when I'm on the phone with somebody, I pick up the, the silver dollar and I move it from this side to that side. At the end of the day, I know exactly how many people I talk to. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. And, and so it's a, go ahead. Okay. I was just saying, so it's a way of keeping track of how many people you call. Yeah, but but it's beautiful in the sense that the other day I just booked a $1,200 speaking uh, coaching right. program for some people. Right. And I looked well, at my numbers and I said, okay, let's get this straight. I talked to 30 people this week and I just closed a $1,200 program. 
And who knows what's going to come out of that because, you know, out of that might come more coaching. And I thought to myself, okay, out of 30 people, I got some yeses and some nos and some maybes. Who cares? And out of it, I just closed a $1,200. The week before that, I closed a $1,500. And I thought, this is fun. This is this is better than going to Mohegan Sun. You know, Mohegan Sun and yeah. Yeah, Why yeah, yeah. go to Mohegan Sun when they can pick up the phone, send out emails, and then send out postcards and just connect with people? I don't know. That's my secret. I don't think it's a big secret. Okay. So tell us about this importance of focus thing. How are how are you finding that that people are are, are give us a, a the sort of gist of your talk? How do we maintain our focus in this world of distractions? When I started reading about this and I started making the connections with NLP and hypnosis and magic and all of this, I I read all the books on distraction and focus, you know, how to stay focused in business, how to stay focused in life. And there were two common denominators that people were saying over and over again. Number one, you have to be disciplined. All right. And number two, you have to use your willpower. I feel that that's good, but I don't think it's great. And I kind of feel that it's like lighter fluid that, yeah, discipline's good and willpower's good, but they don't last. Mm -hmm. So what I realized from my magic background is that discipline has no advantage and neither does willpower when it comes to distracting an audience. And so what I do is I come out and I tell a story about how I met misdirection through my uncle who showed me a coin trick, misdirection. <laughs> You know, yeah, exactly. And so she taught me distraction and she taught <laughs> me how not to be shy. And I tell this story how people who think that discipline is the answer or the key to focus are going to fail most likely or even hmm. willpower. And then what I do is I set up, you know, those stories and then I reveal what the secret is. The key to focus is reflection, because when you reflect, you connect with what is most important to you. And the secret to my talk is that importance directs focus. So my whole talk, Doug, can be boiled down to three words. Importance directs focus. And then I end with the coin trick. And then I say to them, don't be amazed where the coin went, but be amazed that we're here together and I'm sharing with you what's important to me. And then I close with asking them a question, what's important to you? Focus on that. So it's, it's really cool. It's I, I've been working on it for years. I've been polishing it like a diamond. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because how, how, how many times have you delivered that talk? Um, I don't know the numbers, but uh, COVID kind of put me into a holding pattern and put me onto Zoom and the Zoom talks a little different. But I would say I would say probably between 100 and 150 so far. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. And every time you go up, you know, you just I review it. I, I look at it. I uh, polish it. I say, this is what I want to add. This is what I want to take out. So, yeah. Okay. No, that's really great. You know, like like you, I've been on, on the circuit doing kind of sort of the same thing over and over again. The the aforementioned hypnosis for weight loss and smoking cessation right. seminar through the, uh, the John Morgan seminars company. Mm hmm. They just sent sent me on the road, you know, three, four times a week, um, right. mostly in September, October, and then after Christmas, January, February, March, we'd have a or our big times. The other times we didn't really go out at all, but um, during those those months, I was out on the road and I was doing the same basic seminar every night, twice a night, once for smokers, once for weight loss, once for smokers in a different city. Um, and so, yeah, you get good at it. You, mm -hmm. There's nothing like practice. Going right. back to piano practice, there's nothing like practice to do things. Tony Robbins used to talk about how he used to, you know, figured this is the road. Speaking is the is the road to to success for him. So he went out and said he would deliver a talk to you know two people, you know, mm -hmm. get two people. Like, Let me give you this talk, and he just because he just did it over and over again. Yeah. By the time he had a larger audience, he was darn good at doing it, right? So there's there's a lot of value in focusing on what's important to you and then finding a way to to practice those things that you have to offer in that realm that's important to you yeah and i really think that most people aren't willing to go through the process because mm. when i started i started in 2016 what happened was i was at a church on long island 
And someone said to me, oh, I hear you do magic. And I thought, yeah, I used to do it. I'm kind of a hobbyist now. But I found a magic shop on East Meadow and I, I kind of got more engaged with it again. And so on Easter Sunday, I walked out and I did a children's sermon. And in the process of doing a children's sermon, I used a metaphor, which was a torn and restored newspaper. And somebody said, wow, I mean, I literally could hear the air go out of the room because I took this newspaper, I ripped it up and then I folded it. And I flipped it. It's an old Doug Henning uh, yeah. effect he used to do. And you could hear the air go out of the room. I mean, they didn't expect that from a minister. And then that year, somebody asked me to do a speech for the Ladies Guild. So I put together this thing called the magic of communication. It was about an hour with about 12 magic tricks. And it was mm. good. It was good. But over the years, I took out most of the magic and I redefined the focus to the importance of focus. And I hired a coach. I had one coach that I paid $2,500 for, for five hours who looked at my video, looked at my my uh, syntax of my speech and ripped it apart, which was painful. So I, I think most people don't want to go through the process because mm. they don't want to look bad. Um, if I look back to what I did in 2016 and what I'm doing now, it's not the same at all. And five years from now, what I'm doing now will probably be refined because I, I will grow and I will ref be refined. But I think most people aren't willing to go through that process. Right. Right. So uh, this is great, Greg, because we were really both hitting on, on the two aspects of the the reason for this podcast, the you know essential coaching skills, because there's there's two parts, at least two parts to being a successful coach. One is to be darn good at your craft of coaching. Yep. To be able to do like what that aforementioned twenty five hundred dollar guy did for you in five hours or whatever it was right. to, to have the skill set that good to be able to say, I'm worth twenty five hundred dollars for four hours of my time or whatever it was. Right. Um, and then to do it, to have that ability to coach that intensely, even if it's over six months or whatever, but to be able to have the skill sets as a coach to do that. And one must also be able to do what you're doing, which is spend a lot of time every day with the coin on one side and moving to the other side of, of making the calls of doing the, the business of business. Right. Uh, to get the gigs where you can go out and deliver that magic talk, you know, yeah. but you got to do the work to get the gigs. And, you know, so it's, it's both those things. We have to wear at least two hats as coaching as solopreneurs to be able to, you know, have a successful business as a coach. You nailed it. I was listening to Darren Brown. You know this guy in the UK? He's a mentor. Well, I don't personally, but uh, yeah, I definitely know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So he came to New York a couple years ago off Broadway. And then I think he was on Broadway for a couple you know, months. But anyway, I listened to a lecture and the guy that was asking him questions say, what is your success? Like, what is the key to your success? So here we are focusing, boiling this down. And he goes, there's, it's really simple. And he says, on one hand, you have to be really good at what you do. So whatever you're doing, if you're a coach, you're a speaker, it doesn't matter. You really have to be excellent. And number two, you have to be really excellent at marketing. So about 10, mm -hmm. 15 minutes goes by and the guy circles back and asks him another question. And he goes, you really have to be good at what you do. Like you have to be an expert and you really have to be an expert at marketing and sales. Doug, I think most people fail. Either they're they're really good at what they do and nobody knows about them, or they're really good at marketing and they really they don't do self reflection. You know, right. you need to have both. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and that is that is kind of the thing that um, is is interesting as a solopreneur. I I, I have sort of became one uh, by default. I just loved the idea. But from the beginning, even as a musician, I was a solopreneur. I was getting gigs and I was trying to get gigs. And, you know, it seemed like half the time, more than half the time was spent getting the gig. Oh, then, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's show business, but most of my time is business. I, here's right. another secret. I would give this, well, I don't want to say this. Maybe you can edit this out, but I would give the speech for free. I would give the speech for free. So when I look at when they pay me $5,000 or $2,500 or whatever they're paying me, it's really all this work. It's the phone calls. It's the travel. But as far as the speak and being on stage, I, I would never tell anybody this, but I would do that for free. Huh. That's so, great. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And then there's other things, too. I mean, like just to use the analogy of show business, you know, you've, you said 
I think before we started the podcast that you did summer stock. Yes, I took, love summer stock. Yeah. When I was in the times you didn't even see the light of day. I mean, you were just in there like, you know, before yeah. the shows, you were you were building the sets and you were cleaning right. the theater. You're just like nonstop. Yeah. Business yeah. of doing the business. So it's a lot like that as well. We we are, you know, I, I'm taking courses and how to do marketing. I'm I'm hiring virtual assistants, you know, in, in different parts of the world. You know, I'm just it's it's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to, to do these things. And yeah, you have to be willing to do that and you have to find out how to do that well. Um, the better that you can do that, the more you can get your message out, the better you are at delivering the message. People will want to do that. So they'll answer the calls when you do it. So it, it does does build on that. So what is, what is would you say the first thing a person needs to do to be able to, you know, you said you, you spent a lot of times making these calls. Who are you calling? How do you know how to call them? You know who's going to be hiring you to give these talks? How how do you how do you do that? How do you do this marketing right. thing you do? Well, the first place I started was at this church, right? That was the first place. That was 2016. But so then I, you were a minister. Yeah, I'm still a minister. So I, I mean, that's what you're doing at your church. Yeah, that was the, that was my first exposure. That was 2016. I mean, they paid me, but it wasn't about the money. It was just really getting out there and kind of thinking out loud and putting together this thing, which was called in the day, the magic of communication. But when I left that church, my next focus was were libraries. And here's the reason. Libraries need a program to draw people. You know, they have community service outreach. They want to bring, you know, people into their library. So I took mm -hmm. a list I, I didn't buy the list. I just went online. I, I got all of Connecticut, all of New York, Massachusetts, uploaded that into a database, into a CRM. And I didn't want to make mistakes in front of Staples. I didn't want to make mistakes in front of Procter & Gamble. I didn't want to make mistakes in front of these big companies because I was still working out my material. So what I would do is I would just call the libraries, ask for the person that was involved with adult programming and say, look, this is what I'm doing. Right now, if you go into Google and you type in Greg Dwyer Library, you'll see where I was the last five years. And it, it gives credibility to folks. So that's where I kind of cut my teeth. But right now I'm working with brokers of real estate. Like we, we talked about real estate in sleight of mouth. Brokers need people who are motivated and focused, who are on their team, whether they're agents or whatever they're called. And so right now that's my market. So I think you have to figure out your message if you're a coach health coach, business coach, whatever you're doing, but you have to figure out who would want to hear your message. I heard this from a coach of mine. He said, you can't boil the ocean. And that's what I tried to do at the beginning. I tried to reach everybody with my message. And that's, I think, grandiose thinking or just psychotic because you can't do it. You don't have enough time. So right now I'm just focused on real estate, real estate people, brokers in particular. So it's okay. easy to find a list. Just You just call them up. Cool. Yeah. So this this tour you're doing through New York, um, Albany, Syracuse, Buffalo, those are all different real estate brokerage. <laughs> no, here's the delay. There's a delay, right? I started last June, which is what, 2021, calling libraries, right? So I have a list of 1,500. No, is it 1,500? No, I think it's like 3,000 libraries. I forget the number off the top of my head. But the work that I'm doing now, right, like the book, I have a booking next week and I have a couple next month coming up as well. The, all of that was done based on June, July and August of last year. Huh. So there's a delay. So hmm. when I'm booking real estate, that's not going to show up until next year, March, April and May. So oh, and wow. that, that's another thing that I think most people don't recognize is that once you focus on something, there's an aspect of delay. You don't see immediate results. And that's why most people quit. Ah, that's really good. That's really good. I think we could we could spend the next few minutes just re reiterating that. That's very important, Greg. That's a really good point because, um, and Tony Robbins, I don't like to quote him too much, but he was a big influence and we both have this common background. He's, we both have been to his seminars. Um, used to say that God's delays are not God's denials. Right. You know, it, uh, it just keep, keep going. You know, it's, it's, if you, if you're focused on it, if that's, if that's the outcome you've set, if you have the proper steps, you know, sequenced to go there, you know, if you've gone through the, the four, 
keys to a well-formed outcome and that sort of thing that from a previous podcast. <laughs> and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get there, but it may not be tomorrow. It may not be the day after that. But God's delays are not God's denials who keep going. As right. Dan Millman would say, and I feel free to quote him, um, you know, you can quit as often as you want, but keep your feet moving. And it's also time management. You just did a podcast on time management. I think yeah. people need to be able to focus their time, whether they still have a day job. But you have to be able to say, this is a section of my life between three and four. I'm going to make phone calls or I'm going to go, you know, speak at the Rotary. Or you have to be really focused on how you spend your time. That's right. And the other thing I would say is be careful who you listen to. Uh, uh -huh. years, years ago, I was down in Florida and I was at a restaurant and I overheard someone talk about NLP. Richard Bandler came up and I'm like, what? So I heard this conversation. I said, excuse me, what are you talking about NLP? And they said, yeah. They said, Richard Bandler's in town. I said, no way. Now, I was in town for a business conference. So I went to that conference the next day as a guest, invited myself in Asked them if I could be there for like, you know, maybe an hour. And they gave me like an hour, an hour and a half. People paid thousands of dollars to be there. And I was able to sit in for free for an hour. And after the break, I went up to Richard and I said, Richard, I, I know you don't know me, but I live in Connecticut, New York area. I would love to train with somebody. Who could I train with? And they said, oh, Doug O'Brien. And I went, Doug O'Brien? They said, yeah, Doug O'Brien. And that's how our connection met. Over the period of my life working in business, I've listened to coaches or marketing people who tell you one thing and it doesn't work for you. Uh, you have to be really careful that the person that you're with or you're getting advice from, number one, you're paying them because that's important. And number two, that they have your best interest in mind. They're sincere and that it's going to work for you because I've had people tell me things and I go, that does not work for me. And now what you've taught me has worked for me. But my point is you really have to be careful who you get your coaching from. You got to hmm. make sure they're doing their walk. Like everything I'm sharing with you today, it's not something I've read out of book. This is, this is what I do. Like, this is cool. my life, you know? Yeah. 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 That's great. That's fantastic. Gosh, Greg, no wonder you're so good at speaking. You're a good speaker. So do you do any ministry anymore? You're still, you're still ordained. Do you still, I'm still ordained in this August will be 30 years. And, you know, I tell you, I started in Cleveland, Ohio. You know how we talk about taking a person from Cleveland and moving yes, them? So, yeah. So I started in Cleveland. And when I first heard about marketing and being a you know an entrepreneur, my first reaction was, I don't want anything to do with marketing. I don't want anything to do with sales. I, my first sales call, I was shaking. I, I, I was just beyond, you know, I couldn't explain how nervous I was. So in the process of listening to tapes and books, I went through the process over the last 20 years to be where I am today. And I'm still a minister. And as luck would have it, I, I'm, I'm a part-time minister. So I, I work at a church on the weekends. And then I also pursue um, doing what we're talking about now, which is speaking. So it's I'm blessed. I'm, I, I'm not that versed in um, being a minister, but don't all ministers work on weekends? Isn't that like when you work? You know, most ministers are really working overtime. You wouldn't believe there's meetings to go to. There's, um, you know, people to visit. You know, it's more than a full-time job. A lot of times people make jokes and say, you know, a minister only works on one day a week. But believe yeah. it or not, I, and I don't know why. I, I, I really think it's grace. If you listen to Tony, and I don't want to quote him too much, but he does talk about the fact that, you know, you do all the work that you do, but in the end, there is grace, there is providence, or we could call it even luck. So what happened a couple of years ago is I found a position where they said, we can only have you part-time. And I said, that's perfect. I says, I don't want to be at the church 60 hours a week. I just don't. So, so I'm still a minister, but I'm also focusing on speaking. And I also take people on retreats as well, which is another story. We can do a podcast about that maybe. Right. I think I remember that you used to take people to the, the Holy Land and do a yeah. little tour. That's so cool. I've always wanted to go there, actually, um, just just to see it, just to, you know, yeah. say, oh, this is where it happened. And the focus has shifted. Like I started focusing on bringing Christians to these holy sites. Now what I'm doing is I'm taking people on retreats so that they can get away from their patterns and go to a place like we have a trip coming up next year in March to Ireland, to Dublin. Ireland 
Yeah. So we take people out of their regular environment and say, hey, look, now that you're in Dublin, let's go get a beer, but let's also our Guinness. Uh, and then let's also talk about your life. So, yeah. In, in, in fairness, in Ireland, that is holy water. So. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. We take water and then we go like this and it turns dark black. <laughs> a Guinness. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been? To Ireland? Yeah. Well, Yes and no. I, I've been there as a, uh, an extended layover on a trip to, oh. to with Eads, I think. So I've, I've been there and I went to a pub. I was there for about six hours, yeah. but I haven't, I haven't really visited yet. The people um, are delightful. They're, they're delightful. I mean, they're so funny. And, you know, you ask somebody for directions and 25 minutes later, by the way, how are we doing for time? <laughs> Oh, just fine. Just fine. Okay, good. Um, we got plenty of time. Okay. We got all day, Greg, ah, for you. <laughs> I got to make my phone calls, Doug. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah, you're not getting paid for this. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go back to the idea of, of applications of focus for the individuals who are listening to this. So how does a person start? You know, it's one thing to say, this is important to me. And I want to focus on that. But let's just say I have a job, not where I'm a public speaker, like, you know, being a minister, it's kind of nice that you are being paid as a minister to do public speaking. So you get to practice, even though it may not be about focus, you still are practicing talking to an audience of people. Let's just say a person has a job, they're an accountant. Right. Let's just say and they, they, they have a dream of being a coach, mm -hmm. hypothetically speaking. Um, so they, they listen to a talk by Greg Dwyer. And it's like, wow, yeah, uh, I should really focus on what's important to me. And they think to themselves, well, what's important to me is um, freedom. And accounting just doesn't do it for me for, as far as freedom. So I'm going to I want to be a coach that focuses on freedom. Let me go out and be a coach now. I'll quit my accounting job and hang out my shingle. I went to coaching school, got my certificate as a coach. How do you turn that corner? How do you get going? How do you build your business? I think you do it slowly. You know, there are some people that say you just cut off all ties and quit your job and do it. I think that's a lot of stress. What I did is I did it slowly over time and just followed the process. So I, I was a full-time minister at one time. So I really couldn't be seen giving speeches or really taking people on too many trips, right? Because when you're working for a church, you're working for hundreds of people. Like my last... Mm -hmm. Uh, right. my last uh, position in New York, we had 300 people on Sunday morning. So I, I, my, my advice is to take it slow. You know, why jump out of something into something else, especially if you have a mortgage or if you have a family and you have all of these uh, liabilities. So, you know, baby steps is, is what I would say. I, I would say the other thing is how you start your day is really important. Like every single day I have a ritual I listen to music, I, I meditate, I focus, I look at my day planner, I look at my journal. That's another thing. Um, started in 2009, it was Jack Canfield that I ran across um, many, many years ago. And I started with his journaling. So you write down five things a day that you're, you're grateful for. And I think if you start your day off really positive in a ritual that gets you focused, even if you have to go to a job, at the end of the day, you write down what you're grateful for. And then you take you take baby steps towards what you want. Like, in other words, if you're an accountant or you're a nurse and you love it or hate it, but you want to do coaching, you can start off taking a coach, coaching class, and then you could work on the weekends. You could burn, you know, the midnight hour, uh, hour, you know, focusing on how to get clients through social media. So you could mm -hmm. do both. That, that would be my advice. I would never tell someone to quit their job and go into coaching full-time. Would you say that's the right way to go? What would you say on that? I would say absolutely not. I, I agree with you 100%. Okay. But um, it's rare, almost like maybe never, that a person would succeed in doing that. I've right. had people that. I've had people take my NLP courses and my hypnosis courses or whatever and get certified as an NLP practitioner, get certified as a hypnotist and say, okay, I'm done. Legal secretary, don't want to do that anymore. Quit. Yeah. And right. And then like, whoa, 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 where are all the people? Right. <laughs> Why is yeah. that practice? Yeah. Right. And, and I know people that have spouses, you know, 
in other words, there's two incomes. So the spouse mm. says to the other spouse, hey, listen, you want to pursue your your goal of being a, a hypnotist or a coach, fine. But you know, I've been to N N N A, what is it, National Guild of Hypnotists, and I've been mm. to Hypno Thoughts, and I know you've been there as well. There are a lot of people, and I guess it's the 80-20 rule, right? I saw the same thing in the magic world. You have sure. a lot, a lot of people at the bottom not making anything. You have some people in the middle making something, but not enough to support themselves. And then you got, you know, the people at the top, um, like you and me. <laughs> but you know, people, people who are really rocking it. Um, so yeah, I think you got to be careful. That's my advice. Good, I love it. That's great yeah. advice. Yeah, and and it is also the thing that you said about you might be needing to burn the midnight oil sometimes. Um, I, I am a firm believer in a, having a good work life and home life balance. Yeah. Uh -huh. And there okay. are times when it isn't balanced at all because you got to sometimes put in the extra effort right. in order to get things going so that eventually you can have a good work home life balance. I had a coach. I had a coach that said to me, we we're actually business partners. He had a day planner and I worked with him uh, putting together a course. This was many, many years ago when I was in direct sales. And he said to me, Greg, I'm going to give you the key to success. All you have to do is work a half a day. And I said, well, that's great. And he goes, yeah, that's that's 12 hours, my friend. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of it that way. But but I think when you're passionate about what you do. I don't think you don't look at what you do as work, do you, Doug? I don't. Well, there are things that I, you know, if I if you gave me the choice to say, hey, do you want to, you know, go play golf um, on some beautiful course in Ireland, or do you want to um, sit here and move coins from one side of the desk to the other while you call, you know, real estate agents? It's like, right. Mm, well. Okay, let's go golf. I would I'd be going I'd be flying to Ireland to play that golf match, even though I play golf like once every five years. But still, I would go. I would go. Um, so yes, yes, there is truth to certainly the idea that what we do, we love to do. Right. And right. that comes back to the, the topic of your talk, you know, focus on what's important to you because the old saying that if you're doing what you love, then you're not working. Well, you know what threw me off at the beginning, and I love this guy, was Jim Rohn. And Jim Rohn obviously taught uh, Tony. But Jim Rohn had a saying that said, daily disciplines are errors in judgment. And I really, when I started 20 years ago, I thought, okay, daily disciplines are errors in judgment. So I got to be really, really disciplined. I, I got to tell you, Doug, it didn't work for me. I hate discipline. I I don't like it. And, and what I thought when I when I went through the process of connecting magic and NLP and all of this is it's not discipline. It's it's recon it's reconditioning the subconscious mind in such a way that your old habits become new habits and it becomes automatic. Yeah, Does that, that makes sense. That has to make sense. Oh, to you. No, yes, it totally makes sense. That is the subject of my book, um, Succeed with Ease. Oh, know, ease. I, I heard the rumor. Is it true? I heard the rumor for some of our colleagues that you're coming out with a new book, but I didn't yeah. know it was true. I, 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 that's a yeah. so the whole idea is that you build you build new habits, and you know it's interesting. You know you've heard of the twelve disciples, right? You, you yeah, but don't ask, don't don't put me on the spot and have me name them because I, I <laughs> okay. I know there was a <laughs> Judas Blitzen and Comet. No, Cupid. that's that's another story. That's another. Story. <laughs> Oh, you're so, going to hell, Doug. You're going to hell. Just remember that. <laughs> a lot of good company down there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, <laughs> sorry about that. No, that's funny. So no, the new book. I can't wait. When's it wait, coming out? Wait, wait, wait. But the discipline, um, the idea of disciples and discipline comes from the same root. The, oh. They weren't forced. They weren't forced to following Jesus. They wanted to, you know, right. and your, your morning rituals could say that's a, a discipline. You could say, I have a discipline of every morning I get up, I, I run right in my gratitude journal. That right. is a discipline. Practicing the piano seven, eight hours a day is a discipline. But I, nobody was forcing me to do that. I mean, sort of they were, but nobody was really, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I did, you know, teachers that said, yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, you know, so, right. <laughs> so right. it was that. But, but I also loved it. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and so it's a, it is a discipline. There are days when I don't get out of bed and you say, oh, I'd rather go play golf. <sighs> right. Got to do that. You know, and I do those things that are on my to-do list and et cetera. Yes. Right. So, um, 
So it's, it's again, a little bit of a balance. I think you're right, though. You find those things that you, in a sense, must do to right. build your business and then find a way to love that. Yes. You know, find a way to say, this is my choice and I love it. And, and, you know, what is it about that this, that's great? You know, and asking yourself better questions. How, what's great about this? Right. What's, what's beautiful about this? Yeah, and you know? it's not that I'm against discipline and willpower. I think they're good and I do use them. It's just that I really think it comes down to identity and what you really are passionate about. Like we, we talk about logical levels and, you know, mm. you, you know more about this than I do. But identity dictates everything. It goes back to Maxwell Maltz, cyber cybernetics. Yes. I yeah. really think that who you are and who you think you are is going to dictate like there was a, a, a mentor of mine, his name was Brian Clemmer that died a few years ago. And he, he wrote a book called If How-Tos Were Enough, Everybody Would Be Rich, Happy, and Skinny. And his whole premise was that the how-to or the discipline of doing something is never going to help you because what's really controlling you is your subconscious mind. That's another reason why I love hypnosis. Mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Hey, Greg, we're, we're, we are kind of running out of time. This is so fun. I'm having such a good oh. time talking Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, if, if a person does want to get hold of you, how would how do they do that? The best way, I have a bunch of websites, but the best way, the easiest way is my name, which is Gregory. So it's G-R-E-G-O-R-Y, Dwyer, spelled D as in diamond, W as in wealth, Y as in young, E-R, dot net. It's just a one page, but you can click on that. I have a quiz there at gregorydwyer.net. It's a five-second quiz to ask you to reflect on where you are focused or not focused and uh, you'll get immediate results because we don't want you distracted. A five second yeah. quiz. Yeah, it's, it's five questions, it's really quick, it's not long and you know, so yeah, just gregorydwyer.net. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you my friend for being here. Oh, thank you my friend, I appreciate it. I'm so glad that our paths crossed. Indeed. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks. Thanks.